Second Chronicles chapter 20. I call him Jehoshaphat. You can call him Jehoshaphat if you want. That's fine. Uh, Jehoshaphat. Um, and um, what to do when you don't know what to do is the title of the sermon here. And it's interesting that um, in, in our little church, we have so many different people that have different burdens in life and different things that seem unsolvable or unanswerable. Um, I don't know if you, you have a situation in your life. If you don't, I can give you five or six that um, you can have for me if you want, and you can deal with my unsolvable stuff that I have in my life. Um, I have uh, been for months, we've been praying with Ellie about uh, scholarships, and she's been wanting to go to a particular school, and we've been praying hard about that school, and she's done everything you can ask of a daughter to prepare herself and to uh, put herself in a great position to get the scholarships. I mean, scored 1% in the nation in her ACT. She wrote amazing um, articles, whatever she had to write. Anything she had to do, she did. And, uh, but they make you wait all the way to March till you find out whether or not you get the scholarship. So here we are, and even the words out of her own mouth was, Daddy, I wouldn't be surprised if I got the scholarships, you know, all the stuff that's going on. I said, would you be surprised if you didn't get them? And we never thought about that. Well, first scholarship, rejected. Second scholarship, rejected. Then a plea for, um, then we thought a little bit of hope, a little bit of hope. They write us and say, what if other schools offered you? Because if other schools offered you, maybe we can match it. So there's the hope, you know, they can match what other schools offered. That was rejected. Every door slammed. And so now what do you do? Now where do you go? Now how do you handle this situation? So we're in a situation where our prayers have not been answered. We're in a situation that looks not solvable. There's different things that happen. You're in a different one. Most of you guys, your kids aren't going to college. Most of you, uh, Chalmers kids are not going to college this year. All right, there. All right, so he has different burdens in life. All right, he's helping him get on Social Security. But anyway, that's another thing. But, you know, praise God that he can live that long and, and, and come here. His great-grandchildren now are going to college, or great-grandchildren, and he's dealing with that. So there's different things, different things that happen in our lives. So, so there's problems. So how do we react to the problems? You know, one person said, we don't have a choice in life of these things that come into us. We don't choose these things. But we do have a choice on how we respond to them. And that's the question for today. How are we responding to them? What do we do when we don't know what to do? And, and really, if you look at this here, um, in, in 2 Chronicles 17.6, let me give you a little bit about Jehoshaphat, and then we're going to get into the passage. I mean, this, this is an incredible king here. I don't know if you know what the word means, but Jehoshaphat actually means whom God judges or the one that God will plead his cause. And, and here's an interesting title about him. He took great pride. Look at this. Great pride in what? In the ways of the Lord. Isn't it amazing that people take great pride in, in certain things? They take great pride. Great pride in their careers and great pride in this. And look what I've done here. He took great pride in what? In walking with God. 
Now that's a king. That's somebody you want. He took delight. It delighted his heart. His heart wasn't lifted up because he was a godly king. He, he, he took delight in doing what God wants. And if you ever study 2 Chronicles 17, you see some of the things he's done. The reforms, he tears down the high places, he gets rid of the idolatry. He, look at this, he sends priests throughout the land to preach the Bible. Let me just tell you something. You want to start a revival somewhere? Bring people back to the scriptures. Back to the Bible. He has people going around throughout the land teaching the Bible. I mean, this is amazing. He sends these priests to go out. You go teach the Bible. Preach the Bible. You make sure the people know the Bible. Because they weren't studying the Bible. Not only that, you want to get revival in the land, you get good judges in the land. He assigned other priests to serve as faithful judges in the land. That's what the land needed. People that they can go to and trust. And people that were godly and knew how to handle things. And... Here's another thing that he did. He fortified the land. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat grew stronger and stronger. I mean, he had wealth. People would come from other pagan people would come and give him money. That's how amazing of a king he was. And he had wealth and, and he had armies and he built the army and he fortified the land. He did all these reforms. And how does God reward him? Are you ready for this? Second Chronicles 20. Here we are. How does God reward all those reforms and all the things that he done? He's a king that took delight in the, in the ways of the Lord. Watch this. It came about in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1, that the sons of Moab, these are the Moabites, and the sons of Ammon, these are the Ammonites, and some of the, what? Mosquito bites. They're in there and... <laughs> You ever look at the different words of these guys? You know, you know, how do they get all these terms? You know, you got the mosquito bites, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Meunites. I mean, you look at all these people. And here's what's amazing about these people. I mean, how do you know, you know, the sons of Moab, the sons of Ammon, who they came from? Lot. Remember that? And, and God allowed them to stay in the land. And God didn't just wipe them out. He allowed them to stay in the land. Now, for them being allowed to stay in the land, guess how they praise God? They go after God's people. How about that for a reward? And he does all these reforms. And all of a sudden, three nations are coming after him. Now you say, so what's so, you know, Jehoshaphat's a, a great king. Well, they're not only after him. Guess what? They are in Engedi there, and they are 25 miles away. You know what that means? They got one day to prepare for this war. They are in trouble. They are in big trouble. And, and look how the Bible says, describes them. A great multitude is coming against you. And they're in Engedi. They're 25 miles away. They're coming. By the way, they'll be here tomorrow. How do you respond? Let me ask you, how do you react when you get the horrifying news? How are people reacting right now? How did you react when COVID hit? I want to know, when COVID hit, did you run to the store and get toilet paper? How many of you have done that? I want to know who the culprits are. Who took all the toilet paper? It was you. Too. It was you. I mean, of all the things, it never, it blew my money. It took toilet paper from the store. It wasn't you, Dan, right? Yeah, you blame your wife. It was Eve. All right. <laughs> we just went shopping. 
shopping at her house when it was gone. <laughs> you know how bad it, you want to know how bad it was for pastor appreciation of that year. The church has a sense of humor. You know what they gave me? A couple of rolls of toilet paper. Can you believe that? I mean, you talk about joking around with the pastor. You give me rolls of toilet paper for pastor appreciation. But that was an odd come on. You needed to get that. How do you react when it's horrifying news? I mean, just tell you, honestly, we're going to be all honest here. How many of you were scared when we heard of COVID? I was a little nervous. Some of you guys, man, were worried about not, not having enough toilet paper for three weeks. However, <laughs> we were a little nervous. You're walking to Walmart, nothing's there. Can't get meat, you can't get this, you can't get that. A lot of people, you're saying that right now, you're not raising, a lot of people didn't come to church that first Sunday that we didn't know about COVID. A lot of them stayed home. A lot of them. We were worried. People were worried. I tell you what Jehoshaphat does, this is what makes him a human being. Look how he responds. He was what? Afraid. He had fear. Let me just tell you, that emotion is not wrong. It's okay to be fearful. Here's the problem with that emotion, is when we stay there, we're in trouble. When fear comes into our lives and we stay there, when we allow it to grip us, when we allow it to control our actions, when we can't get it out of our mind, when it cripples us from doing what God wants us to do, something is wrong with the fear. And he was afraid. He should be 25 miles. He's got one day and three nations to come. He is panicking. He is worried here. But here's what's amazing about this man. He doesn't stay there. How many people do you know? And even in our own lives, we get worried. We get scared. And we stay there. And we don't move on. And all we think about are the ramifications of what can happen and what may happen and all these things. He didn't stay there with an act of will. Look at verse 3. This is so important. With an act of his will. Look what he did. He turned his attention. He, 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 he can't even bring this out because in the Hebrew, the two times the word seek is there. He, he turned his attention. He, 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 he stopped the fear. He didn't just stay in the fear. But he turned away from the fears. And he turned his attention to who? To God. He turned his attention to seek the Lord. He turned his attention to know what God wanted out of his life. He turned his attention to seek the direction of God. That is wonderful. When fear comes into our lives, what we need to do is have an act of will to turn our attention and to seek God and not stay there. And you say, how do I do that? Well, this isn't just, okay, all right, now I'm just going to turn my eyes to the Lord and just look at, how am I going to do that? Well, watch this. Some of the things in this passage are amazing. Look at the first thing he does. He proclaims a fast. Now, I would ask, how many of you fast here today, but then we all be Pharisees and we lose our reward in heaven? <laughs> right? And I don't want to hear, you know, I fast twice a week. But let me just tell you something. You ever study the Bible out and you ever study what true biblical fasting is about? And how in times in the Old Testament, when there were desperate times, times of crisis, they would proclaim a fast and seek God. 
You say, what does a fast do? Well, look what one person writes about a fast. He says this, fasting is a way to express the reality that we are looking away from ourselves in our own self-sufficiency and acknowledging that God is our strength and hope. I have one of my brother-in-laws, I won't mention who it is, who would fast each week for one of his children to seek direction for their children. That God would work in the lives of their children. When was the last time you missed a meal and said, God, I just want to seek your will. I want direction from you. I want deliverance from some kind of sin that's in my life. Lord, I just want you. I don't want what I turn to so often that comforts us. You know what I did when Ellie didn't get the scholarship? I ate the house out. <laughs> I said, keep passing that plate. I mean, it was like, put more pizza rolls in. I'm eating the whole joint out. You know why? Because food is very comforting. And we like to go to it in times of stress. I don't know about you, but I do. Give me a little antipasta, give me a little spaghetti, a little meatball, forget about it. You know what I mean? All the problem, I can't even think of anything after eating all that stuff. A few donuts, throw a little coffee in there, a little this, a little meat. A little. I mean, I'm feeling great afterwards. But did I go to God? And my friend Nimit, boy, I tell you, I don't like to call him in times of stress because he loves to rip me to shreds. He goes, who are you going to, the flesh or to God? I'm like, you're right, hand me another pizza. <laughs> Fasting is a way of showing God, I need you. I am emptying myself. I am not doing this to make myself more godly. I'm not doing this because I'm trying to earn my way to heaven. I am definitely not doing this so other people would be impressed with my spirituality. In fact, no one should even know. Except, here's the danger of fasting. People know because I'm usually irritable when I'm fasting. And my family pays the price. Don't come near me. I haven't eaten in about 10 minutes. Get out of here. <laughs> they pay the price. Unfortunately, I'm more in the flesh than I am in the spirit during the time. But fasting is a way to go into God and say, I need deliverance. I need direction. Help me, Lord, with this. I understand that some people, because of medical reasons, you know, they have a hard time and, 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 and people wonder how long should I do this and all that. The matter, the, the, the issue is the heart, not all the other things that we make it be about. But he proclaims a fast and look at this. This is amazing. And, and watch what happens in verse four. The nation says, no, we're not going to do that. No, they do do that. The Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. And they even came from all the cities of Judah to, to seek the Lord. I mean, though, this is how godly he was of a king. He said, we're going to fast. We're going to go before the Lord. We're going to show how desperate we are to God. And the nation followed him. And they sought the Lord. Now watch this. And he prays. And you would think that the prayer is how we pray. Lord, destroy the armies. He doesn't say that. Watch what he does in this prayer. In verse 5, they stood 
in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court. So he takes them to the temple. And back then the temple had the priest, the court for the priests, and the court for the people. And so he takes them to where the court is for the people. And he brings them all together. And they're about to pray. And watch Jehoshaphat. Look what he prays. The first thing he does is he focuses on God's attributes. This is amazing. He says to the Lord, O Lord, the God of our fathers, the one who took care of all the fathers, are you not God in the heavens? Do you know what he's saying there? He's saying this. He's saying our God is in the heavens and our God can do whatever he wants. Whatever he pleases. He goes, are you not the God who listens to prayer in heavens that can do anything you want? He focuses on the sovereignty of God. Are you not the ruler of all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand so that no one can stand against you. Isn't it amazing in that book, More Than a Healer, the book of the month, that the whole book is about the attributes of God? You're like, wait a minute. I want to read a book that tells me how I can get healed. No, no. Focus on the attributes of God. And listen to this. Johnny Erickson, whatever her name is. Johnny, Johnny, whatever her name is. My mind is dead today. She said, she said a wonderful phrase. And, I, and this, this really struck me. God often permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And here's a young lady that jumped in the water and paralyzed, was paralyzed for the rest of her life. God often permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And she focused on the very sovereignty of God. That's what he does. He doesn't proclaim a fast and go right before God and say, God, wipe him out. He could have. He prays to God and he just focuses on who God is. And, and God's person. Look at the next thing he focuses on. God's actions. He goes back to, to, to remembering things that happened in the Bible and things that have happened in history. And these are wonderful things to focus on. Focus on God's actions. Did you not, O oh God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people and give it to the descendants of Abraham? Your Look at that. How would you like to be called Abraham, your friend forever? Isn't this amazing? He says, Lord, weren't you faithful to Abraham, the, the father of our faith? And when Moses came, you drove these people out and you, and you gave them the land. He's, he's thinking back in the past of all that God has done. What a wonderful way to pray and thank God for all the blessings that he has and all the faithfulness that he has been in our lives. Look at verse 8. They, they had lived in it and they built you a sanctuary there for your name, saying he's talking about Solomon now. Weren't you faithful to Solomon? And he was able to build a temple to you. And you said this in your temple. If people would come, if evil comes upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house and cry to you in our distress and you will hear and you will what? Deliver us. You know what he's doing? He's claiming a promise of God. Now, let me tell you something. A lot of us get so upset at God because we claim promises that he never promised. God never promised to give Ellie a scholarship. There's no verse in the Bible that says Ellie Estrema 
the beautiful daughter of Jeremy Estrema and Katie somewhere else, Katie, <laughs> would have a scholarship one day. No scripture! And yet we get so mad at God when he doesn't give us what he never promised. He goes before God and he claims a true promise of God. God said, hey, Solomon, when you build this temple and people come to this temple and evil comes upon them and they pray in this temple, I promise you, I will hear them and I promise you, I will deliver them. He is claiming a promise of God and he is basing his faith on a promise of God. We need to do that when we don't know what to do. And then, here's where it gets beautiful. We focus on God's ability. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, now the, the Edomites, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. They turned aside from them and did not destroy them. He's reminding the Lord, remember, we could have destroyed these people, but we didn't. Look at verse 11. See how they're rewarding us by coming to drive us out from your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. Here it is. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. And don't miss this little phrase. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are where? On you. This little phrase, this beautiful little phrase in the Bible is a phrase of trust in God. He's saying, Lord, we have no idea what to do. But our eyes aren't on these multitudes. Our eyes aren't on ourselves, what we can do. Our eyes are on you. We trust you. We are powerless. We cannot do this. But you can. You can. Uh, Jesse this week sent out a letter from, from somebody that's in Ukraine and seeing the stuff that's going on. We're not even seeing the stuff we're hearing on the news is only not even half the stuff that's going on there. They are... Capturing women, they are raping women, they are killing pastors, they are doing things that we can't even imagine right now. And in that letter, the person writes, we are powerless. Thank you for your prayers. They are at a point right now where they don't know what to do, but their eyes are on the Lord. We structure our lives to stop that. We saved ever since Ellie was a little baby so I wouldn't have to trust in God for college. What we didn't think about is inflation. Thank you. Uh, I won't say his name. But anyway. I didn't say his name. We didn't plan on that. We don't even have enough for one year. We saved for 17 years. We ain't got enough. Of, we did everything we can. We like to structure our lives so we don't come to this point. And yet, no matter what we try to do, God will bring us to this point. 
And we come, and now how are we going to react? Are we going to say, oh, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I'll do this. I'll look this way. I'll go, that, I'll go this way. Or do we just stop for a moment and say, Lord, our eyes are on you. Yes. So you know what an 18-year-old girl does when her father can't sleep all night? She wakes up the next morning, she reads her Bible, and she says, Daddy, I was reading Psalm 46, verse 10, that says, be still and know that you're God. She goes, I'm at peace. I'm just focusing on God. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm the pastor, you're not. How do you come with a reaction like that? Her eyes don't know, we don't know what to, what do you do when a doctor tells you pancreatic cancer? You only got a year. What do you do when the doctor tells you it's over in a few months? What do you do when the bills keep going up but the job is not giving the raise as much as you, you need it to and you now can't pay that bill that you can always pay? What do you do? What do you do when you're looking for direction and door after door closes? What do you do? His eyes are on you. I trust in you. And do you know how God works? This is amazing. This, I love this passage. This is amazing. Brian's going to love this because this, this deals with, watch this. Look what Wayne Barber says. What the church needs today is people who are willing to trust God and join him in those things that only he can do. We get too much of the credit. God gets none of the credit a lot of the times. Look how I've worked hard and look where we are now. What the church needs is people who just come to God and let him do what he don't. You know what God can only do? God can only save soul. I can't save anyone. So join him in witnessing and watch God save people. That's a wonderful thing. I can't change anyone's life. Only God can change lives. Join him in what only he can do. And watch the glory and watch the world. Look at God and say, wow, what an amazing God he is. So, so how does God do this? Here's where it gets beautiful. You would think that God sends a fireball preacher and all of a sudden everyone comes about. But watch what happens. Look what God does here. God speaks through, look at his name here. Can anyone say it? Jehaziel. Anybody know who this is? <laughs> He's a song leader. Watch out for those guys. <laughs> Watch out for those guys. You don't mess with these song leaders. They will mess you up. All right? They'll pull a guitar out on you. Don't mess with them. Watch this. You think of all the people that God would use. He would use a song leader. Watch this here. Look what happens. And all Judah standing before the Lord. Look at this, verse 13. This is beautiful. With their, in, no children's church here. Infants and wives and their children. Can you imagine? They're holding the babies. They got the wives there. They got that. I can just imagine the scene. I mean, this is, this is beautiful here. They got all, the kids are watching and all this. And all of a sudden, here it comes. The, the Spirit of God, look what it comes upon who? Jehazi of all people. And he explains who he is, the son of Hudahana, Hudahina, Hudahina, Hudahina. And then you got the sons of Asaph. Those names are too hard. Sons of Asaph. Anybody know who Asaph was? Right? The song leader in Israel. Do you know when Elijah wanted to, wanted to, to do something? You know what he asked for in 2 Kings 3.15? This should be Brian's favorite bird. 2 Kings 3.15, Elijah's about to do something. He says, bring me the musician. 
The musician starts to play and the hand of God comes upon him. And he starts to prophesy. Here comes this. And he says the spirit of God comes upon this, this, this song leader. And look what happens here in verse 15. He starts to prophesy. He says, listen all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and, the king, and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but whose? God's. Don't be scared. Don't be dismayed. The battle is not yours. It's God's. And here's what you need to do. He doesn't just say, go to sleep and everything's going to happen. He says, no. He says, tomorrow, go down against them. There's a part where the battle is God's. But it doesn't mean we just sit there and let go and let God. That's not what it's saying. We have a part in this. Go and present yourself. Go down to them. Go before them. Can you imagine this? In verse 17, look what happened. You need not to fight in this battle. Just station yourselves. Go there. And stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. A lot of people say, all right, well, I just need to trust God. And I'm just going to, God has my cell phone number. If, if I'm going to get a job, he'll call me. No. Apply for jobs. Put some feet to your prayers. But remember, the battle is not yours. It's God's. He says, don't be the fear. Don't dismay. Tomorrow, go out and face them. The Lord is with you. So what do they do? <laughs> What's this? I love this. The people do what? They throw their notes everywhere. Now, here's what they do. 2 Chronicles 2018. Jehoshaphat bowed his head and his face to the ground. Can you imagine that? And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord. Imagine with little babies in your hand and everything. We're going down and we're going to worship God. And they just start worshiping the Lord. And this is going to rub some people the wrong way. Watch how they worship the Lord in verse 19. The Levites, they stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a what? Oh, there was some loud singing going on. They were shouting to God. Now, I know there's some pouting Baptists, but there's some shouting Baptists too. And they were shouting to God. But unfortunately, there's a lot more powders than there are shouters. They don't go to God and just say, all right, well, praise to the Lord, the Almighty. They are praising God. That place is rocking. Now, one amen. That place, I mean, it is gone. They are just, they are praising the Lord. They are lifting their voices to God. A very loud voice, worshiping Him. Can you imagine the scene? I mean, this is amazing. They, they bow down before God. They come before this. They're praising God. And Jehoshaphat, he's a smart king. You know what he does? All right, we're going tomorrow. You song leaders, you go first. He puts them in front of the crowd. Amen. And you know how they defeat him? <laughs> I'm going to put you next time COVID hits. You're in front of the crowd. Don't worry about it. <laughs> 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 oh, <yes. laughs> And in verse 20, 
They rose early in the morning. They went out to the wilderness. They went out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord, your God, and you will be what? Put your trust in his prophets, and you will succeed. And so they go out, and they worship the Lord. They just worship. And you know what God does? He sends an ambush, and those armies are destroyed. They don't even have to lift up a sword. All they had to do was sing to God. Wow. Think about that for a moment. Think of the power of worship, of coming before God and allowing God to do what only He can do. You say, what do I do when I don't know what to do? Well, first thing we need to do is replace fear with faith. We have to have an act of our will to turn from our fears and turn to God in faith. The next thing is seek the Lord with fasting and prayer. When you're at a place where you don't know what to do, what a wonderful time to say, God, today I'm going to miss a meal. I'm just going to go before you and ask you for direction, deliverance. God, you just help me. You say, what do I do when I don't know what to do? Worship the Lord and sing praises to it. It is amazing when we're praising God how much we forget about our problems. Just worship the Lord. Sing praises. Send songs to each other. Joe, Joe Martinez, he sends me songs throughout the week. Listen to this. He's on fire for God. I could just see him hopping. Say, listen to this, brother. You got to listen to this song. You got to listen to this one. You got to listen. I'm just waiting for my Bible verse. I don't get that. You got to listen to this one. No. He loves it. loves it. Praise God. And music that really turns your heart to God. And then look at this. Put your trust in the Lord and in his word. So what did I do? We didn't get the scholarship, so I went and cried to one of my friends. And he said something that really hit me. He says, maybe God has Ellie going somewhere else because he has someone special waiting for her over there. Put your trust in God. He doesn't think like us. He doesn't act like us. And he sees it all the way from the beginning to the end. So trust in him. Replace that fear with faith. Seek him with fasting and prayer. Focus on his attributes. Focus on, on his actions, what he has done, his ability, what he can do. Worship the Lord. Sing to him. Praises to him. And in the end of the day, put your trust in him. He'll know what's best. He'll guide you in the direction you need to be. May not be your plans. Somebody wrote this. There's more power in praise than there is in planning. So praise Him. Praise Him. Let's bow in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we, we are all here today in different situations, facing different battles in different ways. And while we cannot choose the battles that you decide to bring into our lives, we can, by your grace and with the help of your spirit, choose the way we react and respond. So God, I pray right now that we all would replace fear with faith. That God, that we wouldn't live there in just the fear and be paralyzed and not do the things that you want us to do.
I pray right now that we make that decision to seek you, that act of will to seek you. And maybe through fasting and prayer and coming before you and focusing on who you are and what you can do. Lord, I pray that we will make an act of will and decide to worship you and sing praises to you. And then God, at the end of the day, put our trust in you. You want us at these places in our lives where we don't know what to do. So we put our eyes on you. So God, I pray that whatever the situation is, maybe it's a health problem for one or a job situation for another. Maybe it's a decision of where they need to go. God, you direct them. But I pray at the end of the day, they put their trust in you. For you know so much better than we do. You are such a wise God. You not only know the best, but you know the best way to get to the best. So we trust in you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I know...